0: This is Mouth Media Network, the business of
1: being heard. Hi, guys, my name is Abhishek, and uh, I'm the CEO and uh, co founder of Oculo.io. And why I love uh, innovation is how we can use technology to really solve large and small, but real world problems.
0: From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry.
2: All the way from Australia, from Sydney, Australia, I'll be welcome to the show. It's so great. Ha- We're just so glad to have you here. Thank
1: you for joining. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: And given the time difference, thanks for joining Uh what for you is at nine o'clock at night. So, uh, you know, no, no rest for you, right?
1: Exactly. I've just had three beers. I'm all, I'm really getting <laughs> Oh, really? You have, set really to go. you
2: have really dove into the fashion as your business <laughs> ethos,
1: man. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I got the memo from Pavan. What can I say? Yeah.
2: That's right. That's right. Well, anyway, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. And uh, hey, Pavan, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks, brother. Let's just dive in from here. Let's not waste any Australia to US bandwidth time. This, we are in different times now. Uh, I met you guys uh, last year. Uh, obviously, Pavan knows you already, and I, I met you last year at Online Retailer in Sydney. And so much has changed since then because of the industry in general, advancements in technology and e-commerce overall, and obviously what COVID and the pandemic has done to the focus on e-commerce and the way that commerce has even done. Making you guys catapulting you, trampolining you forward quickly into increased relevance. Can you talk about, let's just start here and then we'll unpack who you are and what you do. Can you talk a little bit about how what you do and given this moment in time, you have moved very quickly from a fast-moving, really great-to-have being a really great to have technology from a you better get this or you're going to be left behind technology.
1: Sure. Now, firstly, thanks again, uh, Mark and Pawan for organizing this. Appreciate it. So, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, the world has changed significantly over the last sort of few months. I mean, I was in uh, New York in Jan Feb uh, along with Pawan, actually. And even since then, it's been absolutely, you know, the world has become... Earth-shattering, crazy. So to put that in context, what we have seen is really uh, e-commerce has really moved almost three to five years ahead of what it would have been without COVID. And and what does that mean? There has been this sort of great amplification moment for retailers, uh, meaning they always knew that there were problems with their digital experience. Online, e commerce, and however you want to put it. But now a few things have happened. One, that's the only channel that is being used. So there is so much focus on the online channel from users and even from senior executives and boards where users are saying, you know, yes, there was a problem, but now instead of a hundred thousand people, there are a million people who are complaining about it on a daily basis. So what that has done for our business is really a lot of the retailers who we were you know, speaking to over the last sort of eight months or so have suddenly come on and said, look, we just don't have the people because we've had to you know, furlough or let people go. But we have had an increase in traffic to our website and we have this executive team and board sitting on our head saying, hey, what's happening? Why are these people complaining? So we need as much of automation as we can put in place. We want people to be doing productive, creative things because we don't have that many of them. And anything which is repeatable and that can be automated should be automated. And that's where we have come in to help them do that.
0: Uh, Abhi, before we go forward, can we just take a step back and maybe unpack exactly what uh, Ocular uh, is uh, providing in terms of the solution?
1: Sure. So... Ocular really is an automation company, and we have built uh, a suite of automation solutions for the retail industry and predominantly focused on fashion right now. So what we do is think of uh, the entire process of onboard bringing on a product. Uh, You'll have product tagging, you'll have writing the product descriptions, creating filters, uh, then ensuring that it is published on the website so that people can or users can discover that appropriately. So all these tasks which are being manually performed at the moment, we have built solutions to automate that. Mm -hmm. For example, our first solution is called TagGen. And really what that does is, uh, it's a visual recognition software. It scans the product that the retailer is selling and it automatically generates the tags uh, or attributes Uh, descriptions for it, and filters for it. Now, just imagine all this work is being manually performed by a person and repeatedly through that process.
0: Well, not just that. This is a a whole department. So for for folks that are not uh, familiar with how the onboarding of these products work and the merchandising stuff, uh, that leads to better search results, better e-commerce experience, whatever it may be. Um, this, if you have a large company, a multi-brand retailer like, um, you know, a department store or whatever it might be, uh, this becomes a full-time job for, you know, 5 to 10, 15 people uh, to be able to uh, properly tag. And then from, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Abi, but generally when you're tagging clothes manually, uh, maybe you get 10, 15 attributes uh, how many How many attributes can you then populate with something like the the tag gem?
1: Yeah, so actually it's even when they are manually performing it and it sort of varies if you're a small retailer mm-hmm. to a large scale retailer, what we have typically seen is it's no more than five or eight. they're manually doing it. At the moment, we have trained it to to actually generate a minimum of twenty five mm-hmm. and that could go up to almost fifty depending on the range, etc., that the retailer might have. Why does this matter? So I think the reason it really matters is twofold. One is that the end customer, when they come on a website and they search for products, and if they haven't been tagged appropriately, they can't be found. So you go through all this effort of merchandising the product, deciding what the next season should look like, uh, paying the likes of Google, Facebook to bring traffic to the website and then you have less than 1% convert purely because they came on the site and they just could not find it. They lose hmm. a lot of uh, sales a lot of revenue. The, that is on the revenue side but also if you think of just a physical retail outlet, a store. You walk into the store and just imagine if all the clothes have just been thrown around and they haven't been labeled appropriately. There is no way that you might go back to that, web, to that store again just because you said, I asked for a white shirt and I got yellow pants or something like that. Yeah. And, but that happens time and time again on, in the digital online world, partly because you just say, oh, it's, it's acceptable. We go with it.
0: You know, Vogue um, released a headline recently, I think within the last week or two which is uh, taxonomy is the new fashion tech essential. Now, how long has Ocular a, uh,
1: been around for? So we have been trading for about uh, about 18 months, just, uh, just about two years now. Okay,
0: now when Vogue and... sends out a headline like this, how does that now um, affect the way that you approach your market um, and the the effect that it's having internally as a, as a team, how are you prioritizing right now?
1: That is unbelievable. I mean, that article, I know which one you're talking about, that is unbelievably good because that effectively is our pitch. Yeah. And we have used that to say, look, we've been talking about this for a while. Obviously, if Vogue is writing about it, there must be some concrete basis for that. So isn't it time, and we've used that to share it with our customers and a lot of our partners to say, look, there is some merit in this discussion and it's not just from us. And I think people have, they accept the problem. I think I don't think I've ever met a retailer who has said, uh, there's no problem. No, we are absolutely good with this. It's just uh, a function of the appetite to be able to invest not money because it's not a costly thing because we have made it in a way where it is easy to access but it's just are they culturally around to be able to spend some time in seeing the benefit it's not a i plug it in today and tomorrow morning everything should be working beautifully and we should be getting the results so but on the vogue article it was absolutely spot on that we've used that to send it around to different partners and retailers I mean, you know,
0: again, I think this is a tech that was mostly viewed, let's say, for the last uh, twelve months, uh, the previous twelve months before COVID, as a nice to have um, versus an imperative, and, uh, like and a now differentiator, we're it now like
2: a differentiator, right?
0: Yeah, and and because now, as you mentioned, the acceleration of e-commerce into the future, maybe three to five years, uh, we were projecting this sort of growth um, for the medium. Um, it, it's just—I mean—it's become a, a a must a must-have, right? How do I clean up my site? How do I make it act more like uh, in-store retail? And this has now become the forefront, right? Um, yeah. And so now, how are you? I mean, what are some kind of case studies you're showcasing? What are because you're not you're not the only show in town when it comes to uh, visual search and product attribution, tagging, and things like that. Um, what? Hmm. what can you point to that says, hey, Ocular's the de facto, um, should be kind of training and learning with us, essentially?
1: Yeah, look, so, so for our part, if I take that in two parts on why the importance of it, it's mainly the way it boils down to is having fundamentally good content or good data on your site. So as a retailer, the absolute bare minimum is you generate good data and good content for the images that you're putting up so if you're selling dresses you've got your dresses divided by the different tags and attributes that you've got you know it could it be uh, v-neck round neck flowing polka dot so absolutely having it at the granular level and then ensuring that when users are searching for it they are finding it based on those attributes you can then divide your sales data by at an attribute level on we sold these types of dresses with these types of attributes in isolation or in combination. And then you can decide, all right, this, in, this is important for our next season's merchandising team to decide what we should be buying, what we should be producing, what we should be uh, selling, what should be done. So that that whole cycle starts with fundamentally having good data so the way what we have also done is we've done some recent case studies where we have noticed some retailers have had phenomenal growth in their sales conversion where their sales conversion have gone up by almost 30 percent and partly it is to do with the fact that their very loyal following who's already coming to their website is being able to find the right product much quicker there is less frustration in what uh, uh, they were previously finding from their customers and now they're a bit more satisfied and they're increasing the basket size as well so those sort of things have become quite important for them now especially given there is full focus just on the online channel as opposed to their retail store for this particular customer Mm
2: -hmm. you know what comes to mind to me is there's two groups of people or two groups of companies you could be working with. One one is the existing retailer already in motion, already got momentum and they're trying to scramble and catch up a little bit and shift pivot what what they've been doing up their game, uh, fit into what the new norm is. The other are companies that are launching now or very recently launched. And part of what you have is an opportunity to help shape, what the new expectation is for all brands and hit them right now and make sure that you're educating them about what they should be doing as they launch. How are you thinking about that versus like, because I think this also relates a little bit uh, to the need for you to gear up suddenly. You had a certain cadence of how you were operating up until COVID and then suddenly you probably had to gear up a little bit And and in some way, um, triage your attention, given your resources and and team bandwidth uh, and knowledge base uh, to say, okay, we can grab people who are already in motion and and help them integrate this and, and educate them and get this going and take advantage of business that's out there to grab. But what we also need to be doing is educating the next generation of businesses right now so they start out the right way and this becomes the norm and we're just part of that norm. So sorry for the long question, but how are you thinking yeah. about trying to balance those, those two uh, master's?
1: Sure. No, absolutely. That's a great question, actually. So what we have done is for some of the large scale sort of department store retailers, uh, what we have noticed is for them, because they knew a little bit about us already, they have sort of come back to us now saying now there's an urgent need. So the need has become from a nice to have, as you said, to, a, uh, to an urgent one because they've got lesser people. They've got an e-commerce traffic has increased significantly. So then I think it'll be similar in the U.S. as well. Over here, it's gone up at least sort of 50 60% more than what it was similar time last year. So they have come back and said, we want this moving forward very quickly. Can you onboard us and get there? Really, online retail is less than 10% of the APAC market and i think it will be similar in other sort of western world as well so there's a huge potential for growth now almost if you think that this can grow it's unbelievable the level of growth that can come through this but it has to be sustainable and done appropriately because you can't have you can't have such a big growth having manual support etc you have to deploy technology Avoid manual work, using your talent to do creative and productive work, as opposed Mm -hmm. to—I shouldn't say productive, because this work is productive as well—but things that more requires a human touch, as opposed to you know technology or machine learning. Great.
2: So check this out: for more than 15 years and more than 160. Thousand customers. The number one SMS marketing software, industry leader, EasyTexting, has set the standard for business texting platforms. So it's a cloud-based self-service SaaS platform, and it's a top 20 best product for marketers, and it allows businesses of all sizes to reach and engage their mobile audiences. They've sent 5 billion messages to their customers, yes, but what can really move the needle for you is this. Texting delivers 600% more engagement than email. Now, what could you do with 600% more engagement? Look, 90% of people read new messages within 30 minutes, right? And text messages 134% more likely to be read than emails. So when an online boutique wanted to send their existing customers coupons and information about upcoming sales, they wanted an easy-to-use text marketing platform, and they used easy texting. 89% of customers prefer messaging to communicate with businesses. 77% of consumers have a more positive impression of companies that text. So, when a clothing store with a pop up shop wanted to increase store traffic as well as tell past customers about new arrivals, they used easy texting. In store traffic increased within just a few hours of their first text. They had positive communications with customers and they saved time. So, you come to fashion as your business for valuable business insights and strategy, right? This one is a game changer. Texting. Allows you to facilitate scheduling, enable staffing, promote products and services, and notify customers. And the big kahuna provide an excellent customer experience. So, Fashion Is Your Business is going to hook you up. Easy Texting is offering a free trial to listeners of the Fashion Is Your Business podcast. Just text FASHION to 858-858. 585. Again, that's fashion to 858 585. Message and data rates may apply for this recurring message program.
0: I'll be, um, you know, right now, if I'm a retailer, my bandwidth is just completely outstretched. So as you as you mentioned, um, you know, e which used to be in the APEC market, at least seven percent or so over here in, in the Western Hemisphere we're seeing or North America, we're seeing maybe like 12 percent, 15 percent, depending on uh, what you're referencing. Uh, but the usage of e-commerce is blown through the roof. So we're looking at 50 percent uh, since quarantine and covid related uh, quarantines around the world. Um yeah my team is going to be extremely exhausted and pitched and inundated with pitches for individual technologies so how are you now strategizing in order to get market penetration attention or how are you looking at collaborations and partnerships things of that nature
1: well now that's a that's an absolutely key point for us on so we have built the product we know we've got traction with some of the larger retailers now from a partnership perspective we are thinking of it or have thought about it in almost three separate ways. One is uh, working with larger technology companies. The second layer there is uh, with solution providers on who are the more established solution providers and can they actually be part of your partner mm-hmm. network where you already plugged into their uh, either their platform or to their distribution list etc and and that's a bit harder because they are getting the same requests from lots of other uh, tech providers etc anyways so the best way to do that would be to already have a couple of case studies on some joint retailers who are already their clients and to be able to show look this is working really well and then taking that to them saying how do we integrate with you? If you go standalone, saying we want to be able to partner with you, it'll just get lost in a heap of information.
0: You know, do you see a world where you attach to, say, a large technology partner? So, um, and I'm not talking about from a solution standpoint, like AWS or, or Shopify having an integration there, but like uh, Intel responsive retail or uh, IBM X. You know, their their retail experience. Um, Consultancy and things of that nature. I'm not sure what you give up to be a part of those conglomerates, but I'm wondering if that's been a conversation hmm. internally, and how would you kind of steer other folks that are in your shoes uh, in that same
1: capacity? Yeah, and no, absolutely, and I think what does happen is partnering in with that. the initial thought process always is that hey, if I go to them or these tech players, they are you know they can print money, yeah. they can do whatever they want. So why won't they be able to do it in-house themselves? What if they take this technology and just run with it? But the reality is it's really, really hard to build a, a full solution product which is used by number of different customers, whether it's retail or any other uh, industry. It's easier to build a prototype and a quick POC to be able to show someone. And especially it becomes even more tedious in a larger Tech company to do that because you need sponsors, you need someone to resource it to be deployed. And the fact is, we have looked at into it that majority of the companies, especially in the space of say the Amazon's or Google's and IBM's of the world, they are actually acquiring companies. They're acquiring talent. So for them, if you are already part of their ecosystem, it becomes far easier to for them to be able to decide, hey. These guys are already on our uh, partner network or already so well integrated with us that it will be silly for us to go and set up uh, a full internal team to build that solution and then get our retailers to change from this to our own offering. Whatever we are going to invest, we might as well buy this guy guys out. We get the technology, but more importantly, we get the people who have built it as well. I don't think there should be that much fear in deciding. And that's a risk you have to take yeah. as, a, as a startup or an early stage company. So I would say by all means. Mm-hmm. But again, approaching it with some common clients makes it far easier. Are you,
0: are you more akin to doing that or looking at um, uh, more kind of tech, technologies that may be a little bit smaller from a sense of, I mean, we're talking about IBM and Intel for a second. Those are, as you mentioned, they could print money. Uh, but mm-hmm. if we take a step down and we, we think through uh, some of the enterprise solutions in clienteling or merchandising, such as, um, you know, New Store or Tulip Retail or Stylytics or Yaguara, and these are names that we might be more familiar in, in North America. I'm not sure if these are names that are prevalent there in I'll your put, market. You. Uh, but how are you thinking of those types of solutions in terms of an alignment and an ability to, to scale together?
1: like absolutely like for us we see ourselves as a as a tech company and not purely as have built a product now and now all we need to do is go and market it and get, generate sales out of it so for us it's really important to continue building automation solutions and as many products as we can at the appropriate time so we want to be able to really see how to how to get into some of these networks or partners so that they can actually use it with their retailers at an appropriate time and previously cost used to be an issue where you know it's a big implementation for us it's a saas based offering so it becomes much more reasonable to be able to do that integration with the partners and it avoids us having to have a full Uh, business development team that is constantly going direct to retailers and i think the trust factor becomes far better if it is coming from a partner so going to the partner network partner route is a much easier proposition but again getting traction is where it can become a bit difficult unless you have got good solid case studies so you need to do both almost because once they start saying, "Well, they are getting traction already," then it almost becomes that you can work together. You're not you're not the only force who's cool. saying, "Look, can we join your partner network?" Are are you? Uh,
2: have you you partnered with or been looking at how you can collaborate with, say, accelerators? And uh, and and the reason I say that is, is exactly. even if there's some somewhat of a lost leader there for you or whatever, the opportunity to hit a bunch of young companies at the same time that will grow and say, Hey, I'm going to give you some seed here to start out with. And then as you grow the, you know, you see that revenue plus all of mm. the partners they're working with that are the big brands that are mentoring to them being able to see what you're doing and say, Hey, this could be good for us. Is that something that you've been looking at doing or are
1: yeah. in motion? So we, so we actually, uh, had the opportunity. We actually didn't go through the whole accelerator program, partly because we used to run uh, a marketplace of our own previously. So we had a, so the similar, the same co-founding team uh, was running an online marketplace previously. So we had, though it didn't do, it wasn't an economic success by any stretch, but we got a lot of learnings out of that. So we felt that we had already gone through that accelerator group already, but uh, Through our uh, learnings from there, we were pretty well connected with a lot of other early stage startups or slightly established startups as well in that e commerce and technology space. So, we are absolutely doing that. We are working with them in sync and saying, can we, because all of us really want customers, and we're saying we're going after the same customers. So, why can't we partner up and say our two solutions are already integrated? and then position it with the retailer or be able to offer them a joint package of some sorts. So that, in a way, is happening uh, without that accelerator group, but that's, that's a very good strategy to go ahead because you can get cut through much easier.
2: What's it looking like for you in Australia right now with the retail environment? I, I know, uh, especially around the, the height of the brush fires, uh, that was that was putting its own strain on the uh, uh, on, on at least the physical physical oh. retail and giving some attention to online retail. Although there were issues with inventory because of of transportation and and the fires and everything, uh, and then obviously COVID on top of that. Um, what is your impression of what's happening in Australia and, and and that and that region at this point?
1: Yeah, so we Australia has had a. Bit of a rough run through over the last uh, six to eight months almost with the bushfires, uh, almost the region where that was happening, almost all of tourism was shut off for a, a very long time. By the time they recovered from this almost and were getting ready for a you know, new flow of tourism, because that survives in tourism quite a bit, that particular region, then COVID hit. And as soon as COVID hit, obviously physical retail was out of the door. Online retail was a slight glimmer of, you know, there was almost the silver lining in there. But off late, what's happened is uh, because there are pockets in Australia which have been completely shut out, supply chain has been impacted quite severely, even internally from getting it from, say, Victoria, which has been locked down, getting the products from the distribution centers there into other parts of Australia has become a challenge then getting supply from any other part of the world has become a challenge. So we're seeing definitely surge in e-commerce traffic, though the user experience has been sort of somewhat uh, depleted. The part which has been completely hammered has also been in logistics, in getting the products delivered, wrong products are being delivered because you've never had a place where this much traffic has gone through the system and so many deliveries are are happening. So that part has definitely taken a bit of a beating and has shown that it requires a lot more investment into logistics to be able to cater to that kind of uh, traffic.
2: I wonder if this is just gonna, you know, like a kid that loses a parent just has to grow up a little faster. Uh, It hurts, but in the end, that kid has those skills. I wonder if this is gonna be one of those situations where on the logistics side, it's just forcing that region to just advance a little faster yeah. than it had probably been able to, and, uh, but now it they can.
1: True, true. No, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, there'll be lots of learnings through this process. And I think the, the, the sad part is that a lot of businesses will shut down completely. Uh, because they just won't have the runway to be able to meet the end, because really they started off with a health problem and has become a massive economic challenge. But even if tomorrow they announce there is a vaccine, would these businesses still be able to survive very quickly? I think that's the new normal is hard to sort of predict right now because there's just no telling on how far the, uh, the health <laughs> issue will get fixed.
2: Yeah. What we need is a vaccine for, for businesses. That, that's, that's a... True.
1: Um, I'll use that as a tagline. You know, I love it. Yeah. Hey,
2: you guys are the vaccine. Uh, all right. Uh, exactly. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, we're going to move on to our off-the-grid questions to take a look at the human side. I'll be right after this.
0: Now, here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. One word And drop off
2: ignore. This is Naked Entrepreneur. It
0: happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With
2: Eli Ostreicher. Right
0: now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You're f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy?
2: Rated R.
0: Listen, it's a podcast.
2: Naked Entrepreneur. <laughs> Off the Grid, with fashion is your business. All right, this is off the grid questions where we uh, ask questions a little more off the grid, a little more personal in nature. Uh, and uh, in order to do that, uh, we, uh, of course, we figure out the order. We're going to ask questions even with just pubin and I. It's still fun to spin the wheel of grid destiny. Uh, whoever's name comes up first, asks the first question. Uh, here's a spin of the wheel. And the first question is from Pubbin.
0: <laughs> mark this wheel seems to be picking on me quite a bit since it i came back yeah it
1: is, a, yeah,
0: is it's here. a it's a weighted <laughs> uh, it's a weighted wheel is what i'm realizing here uh, um i'll be you know look uh Covid and you know, of course, has affected people deeply in in various aspects uh, from health, economical, uh, family, whatever it may be. Um, you know, but taking the the positive light of what might may come out of this, I'm wondering for you personally, have uh, what are some of the silver linings that you've experienced um, going through this process um, of covid and the related to mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think
1: one of the things definitely was uh, resilience. I think resilience was something very important uh, for me while even before this. So one of the things that I've started doing and has actually helped me quite a bit, especially because you're home all the time, is uh, uh, being able to try a new habit. And uh, so I was speaking to a couple of friends and I said, you know, what are some of the things that maybe we can do to help create this resilience? So we created a small a simple WhatsApp group. And what we said was every day, we will spend 20 minutes or so trying to do a particular uh, meditation. And, uh, you know, we all would catch up from time to time over beers and stuff like that, and really not talk about those kind of things at all, and almost talk about it in a jovial way. But then uh, we had a friend who actually said, look, why don't we just do this? You know, we all at home, It'll be something that will be quite quite simple and easy to do. And we started doing this and we realized within 10 days or so of doing it, everyone was looking forward to it. So they were all looking forward to doing that because they could see the benefit that they're getting out of it, especially at a time when they were at home, uh, you know, being at home for long periods of time with with the family, et cetera, can also sort of build up a few things, especially if you've got kids, et cetera. All which that. you do. i have a, so of, that we have found, a little.
0: Right?
1: Yeah, got two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so that was that was actually quite good. It was almost being able to bond and, you know, catch up with friends, but also do something different, which there's no way like we would have done this at all ever if if this wasn't the trigger for it. So that I felt was a good thing. And I hopefully uh, some of us will continue doing that. And uh, that's on the personal side, but also from a from a from a work perspective, I think we've sort of made sure that people are uh, asking on how they are how they're doing, how they are finding work. and it's become far easier for us to be able to deal with things remotely because there's just no way that we can we could have uh, caught up and collaborated together in a physical room. So I think there's far more acceptance on being able to do things. Uh, remotely
2: uh, so another spin of the wheel and lucky me it comes to me all right I'm gonna I'm gonna shift things a little bit here uh, you know bushfires building a company going uphill going from a marketplace to the solution you have now and then oh I don't know a pandemic. Lots of stress, lots of demands on time, lots of unpredictability. How do you find your moment of Zen? What is your moment of Zen that you are able to find? And and what do you do to try to make sure that that's something that's in your world?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, I personally have actually, uh, I, I do enjoy the challenges that work especially throws on it. Obviously, we don't need the added stress of these other things, but definitely what I find enjoyable is from a work perspective, if there are challenges that we're not being able to fix, whether it is client or whether it is being able to raise investments, et cetera. So I do find some sort of uh, energy in being able to solve that and work through it. So I don't get bogged down with small things that quickly. But again, as I said, in the last sort of three months, having to do this thing with friends, this meditation thing that we've been doing, Mm -hmm. it's actually been quite, quite enjoyable. And I sort Mm -hmm. of do look forward to it, even though I might not. I don't know why I mentioned it on the podcast, but I don't mention it to uh, uh, a lot of folks otherwise. But I think the suddenly that thinking is changing, which is great for all of us as well.
2: I agree. Uh, you know, especially for those who have been in lockdown or, or maybe still are, whether it's self-imposed or government-imposed, uh, you know, they say the work days are getting longer. We're spending a lot more time on our computers even than we normally do and so forth. It It is important to extract yourself and connect with yourself. Aside from just being human, if you look at it just from a business standpoint, we're, we're not indestructible creatures we have a finite capacity and we it's just smart to recharge like a like a good mom young mom has to take a day for herself even though it seems like she's ignoring her baby she's a better mother for doing it if she has the ability to get someone to watch the baby and it's the same thing with any business owner you have to be able to recenter yourself recharge and so forth so i'm glad i'm glad to see that you you've been connecting with that at least a little bit
1: yeah because it is i mean it has been like speaking to a lot of colleagues and friends around uh, initial part was, okay, this has happened. Let's deal with it and let's sort it out. And so we can do a lot of the work over zoom or over calls, et cetera. But then suddenly there has been a bit of a fatigue over the last few months where every conversation is a minimum half an hour on zoom call, which could have been a two minute conversation in the, uh, in the kitchen at work or something like that while over a coffee. So that fatigue is definitely kicking in and, and people are saying, look, to build relationships, we have to be able to go out and meet people. So, uh, but it's a, most people have been pretty resilient and, and I'm speaking to a lot of businesses who have said, well, we're just managing, we're just being able to tackle things.
2: Well, you know, we're human beings, not to, belabor the conversation, but you know, we're depressed or stressed or you know, our spouse has lost their job or or uh, you know, it's just an uphill battle that wasn't there before, just when you thought the clouds were breaking, another storm front hits and, you know, uh it's it's tough. We're you know, it we're we're dealing with our own emotions and our own capacities. And uh, you know, uh, we're only only human. Um Look, you, you guys are doing something—something something, uh, that's a part of a tapestry that's crucial to the forward motion of e-commerce and, and therefore, retail in general. Um, how uh, there's got to be people out there that want to find out more about you, find connect with you, p- potentially implement your solution. Uh, how can they reach out to you and
1: connect? So. They can reach out on uh, LinkedIn if that's easier. On Abhishek Vora uh, on LinkedIn, or I
2: want to spell that for, for those not naturally sure. mag- magnetized to that spelling. <laughs> uh,
1: it's uh abhishek Abhishek and surname Vora V O H R A. Or, uh, should I give out my email?
2: Sure, if you want to, it's up
1: to you. Yeah, my email is uh. Vora, A-V-O-H-R-A, at ocular.io, or just come out to our site, uh, ocular.io, and to the connect page.
2: Which is O-K-K-U-L-A-R.io, yes?
1: Yes, that's okay. the
2: one. Just so nobody nobody goes with the traditional spelling, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or the Oculus yeah. Yeah, exactly. in New York.
2: Well, uh, I mean, uh, thanks so much. Uh, really wish you very, uh, very big success. And I hope that, uh, everything keeps moving in a really great forward dynamic direction for you. Uh, that's it for this episode of fashion is your business uh, for Pub and Ball. Shake it easy guys. I'm Mark Rayco. Have a great day. Everybody.
1: Take care. Thanks. Thanks Pavan. Thanks Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for this
2: episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.